0: I believe the best way to influence either in a small way or in a large way is to approach everything with a servant's heart.
1: Have you ever noticed that some of the best ideas come from unexpected places? Your next breakthrough may come from a leader facing similar challenges, but in a completely different sector. Welcome to Chief Influencer. I'm your host, Anthony Shop. Join us as we explore how today's successful leaders inspire, influence, and connect with others. Chief Influencer is a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board, who have teamed up to spotlight how great leaders and communicators are making their impact in the world. This episode is brought to you by the George Washington University's College of Professional Studies. With in-person and online programs, ranging from master's degrees in public relations strategy to certificate programs and digital communications, GW offers more than just the credentials to help working professionals get ahead. It prepares them to be leaders in their field. As a proud GW graduate myself, I can attest that faculty members combine academic rigor with real-world lessons that can't always be found in textbooks. Check out cps.gwu.edu for more information. Now, I am thrilled to introduce you to today's guest, a chief influencer. And in D.C., I think we could maybe even say an (laughs) influencer-in-chief. Sharon McBride is a pioneer in the field of public affairs and grassroots mobilization, both in the United States and around the the globe. Sharon believes fervently in giving people a voice in government. And throughout her career, she's advocated for workers and small businesses, helping them connect with policymakers. During nearly two decades at eBay, she led public affairs operations and created a first-of-its-kind program that shaped public policy through customer impact storytelling. Before this time, companies amplified the voices of employees, but they hadn't really done that for their customers. So this was a major innovation that we'll hear about tonight. Sharon created a customer grassroots network of more than 1 million eBay sellers from 100-plus countries. She also headed the eBay Public Policy Lab, conducting research on the company's global economic impact and empowering small enterprises for global commerce. Sharon even imported the concept of Capitol Hill visits to Europe, originating the concept of fly-ins in Brussels. Currently, Sharon serves as the global head of policy mobilization at DoorDash, where she launched Dash Roots, DoorDash's advocacy network to amplify the voices of DoorDash stakeholders. She's also the chair of the board of directors for BiPAC, the premier political resource for the American business community. And we're very happy we have BiPAC folks with us tonight. Before all of this, Sharon cut her teeth on presidential campaigns, Supreme Court nominations, and on Capitol Hill. Her innovative work has been recognized by the Public Affairs Council, National Journal, Campaigns and Elections Magazine, and she's received eBay's Luminary Award and Professional Women and Advocacy's Veteran Practitioner of the Year Award. She earned her undergraduate degree in communications and political science and theater arts, so I love that connection, from Northwestern University and a master's in arts management from Carnegie Mellon University's H. John Hines School of Public Policy. I had to cut that by a way down and all my research. I mean, there's so much more that Sharon's done, but she is such an impressive person. We're lucky to have her with us tonight. Please help me welcome Sharon McBride and congratulate her on being named a chief influencer. <laughs> so, Sharon, you've accomplished a lot of firsts in the world of public policy, but before we get into those, we're here in the Hall of States, mere steps from the U.S. Capitol, What is your philosophy when it comes to influencing public policy through advocacy?
0: Um, I believe the best way to influence, either in a small way or in a large way, is to approach everything with a servant's heart. We are all here to serve each other in our communities and organizations. And um, I think that is how I approach really everything in in my life.
1: We've talked about that before. I love that. And where does the inspiration come from?
0: Well, I think it comes from several places, but I would have to say probably my mother. Um, I think even when, you know, as a, as a child and you see that role modeling of a, of a servant's heart, but also how to express gratitude and how to be in relationship with people. And, and what does that mean? Even if it's, a, if it's a small kindness, my mother writes a, a handwritten thank you note um, someone helps her load her groceries into her car. Um, she's writing a thank you note, and so the th- little things like that, I think, developed in, in me. That's how we. That's how you can be successful, yes, and drive your career forward, but also that's for all for the betterment of society too.
1: There are a lot of folks who, you know, are cynical about Washington. They may think nobody here cares what I have to say, and you know you've really sort of brought a different perspective to those people can you tell us about that
0: yeah i think the the way, why i find this work most fulfilling is is amplifying the voices of those folks who don't think they have a voice you know the the dasher the ebay seller who owns a small business is often says to me why would they care what i have to say and i give them a platform and i have a connection and you're all of a sudden not just advancing your particular cause for your organization, but you're also offering that person an opportunity for professional and personal development, right? And, and for them to understand and have pride in what they do and that people actually do care. I, I've been doing this a really long time. I'm not cynical ab- about it, I do believe our elected officials, they really don't care what the DoorDash lobbyists say or the eBay lobbyists say. They really want to hear from their constituents. Um, I think that that is true on both sides of the aisle. We won't tell the lobbyists. Right, right. (laughs) But
1: no, it's so so important the trend that anybody who, you know, is studying this through GSPM or who is spending time on Capitol Hill, they hear that that grassroots voice is so important. And I wonder if you could talk about how has advocacy changed over the course of your career? Obviously, the technology world has changed a lot, but you know, where would you say things have um, gone from when you started?
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think it has, the technology certainly has evolved and we're engaging via text message and social media and, and communicating to our elected officials through those channels. But I still am a very firm believer in people I talk to a lot of tech companies um, um, and sort of advise them on a volunteer basis. And I say, you know, you really need to get on the phone with your customers. And uh, many tech companies don't want to do that, right? They they want to, as my husband say, that's not very good for a podcast. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but you know, they want they want to type and they want to communicate digitally through to their customers or their um, advocates. And I said the best way is to. Have in-person meetings now that now that I think COVID has passed for the most part, and get on the telephone and talk to your customers, and that also is a high-touch point with your customer that's going to build a relationship. I, I use this um, anecdote all the time. I had this these eBay sellers who would tell me, you know, yeah, I have to sell on Amazon. It, it's you know it's a great platform. He said, but I'm in a relationship with eBay. And that was because, because of the government relations and advocacy network that we built. You're also adding you know, a business value through, your, through those relationships. And again, making fe- people feel like they're important.
1: Yeah. You know, um. Take us back to the creation of this network. Mm-hmm. You know, for folks who maybe you know, aren't familiar, what did grassroots advocacy look like? Who was going up to Capitol Hill And how did eBay, under your leadership, change that model?
0: So when I got to eBay, I I realized, and I had somewhat of a political background and brought some of those campaign tactics to that, is that eBay at the time only had employees in California. And that was really the tradition. Most companies only do do employee um, grassroots at that time. And I thought, well, that's not going to help much. You know, we can, you know, we we need to... um, and And most of eBay's issues were federal, so we needed to make sure we built a nationwide network. So I knowing how passionate eBay sellers were about the platform at that time, I thought, what if we created this network? these These are not, you know, they're not employees, but they are in partnership with us. And if an eBay seller sells an item, eBay benefits. So it's a mutually beneficial um, business model. Um so that that certainly certainly helped. and you know the reaction that that we got, both internally um, and externally. Now, I did have to get over the hump that this is a labor-intensive um, prospect. You know, I need you know folks to be calling sellers and meeting them in person and, and that sort of thing. There's a certain amount you can do um, electronically. Um, but, but mostly at the time, it was a very practical decision that our employees were only in California and, and, a, few, and a few in um, Utah. Um, and we needed to talk to the Speaker of the House who lived somewhere else, you know? And so that's really how it started. It wasn't that, you know, I don't think at the time I thought, oh, I'm starting something very innovative. You know, I was just trying to problem, solve, solve a problem that we had, you know?
1: You didn't know you'd win all these awards and other <laughs> companies were gonna ask you how to model this it sounds like you probably had to do a lot of education for these sellers who, you know, maybe don't know how Washington works. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, really, um, you know, I always tell um, our sellers or dashers now or our DoorDash merchants that the, the member of Congress or the elected official wants to hear your story. You don't need to necessarily be an expert on the policy. We'll certainly do trainings of the policy. I do think it's important for them to understand what we're talking about and and not sort of send, send them in there with not the knowledge of the process. So we'll do, certainly we'll do some training sessions. But I think the most important thing is is bringing that storytelling and that narrative of this is what's happening in your district, and this is how this rule would impact you. What are the what are the and the, on DoorDash? What's the merchant impact? What's the customer impact? What's the Dasher impact of this piece of legislation? Which is super interesting at DoorDash, at being a three-sided yeah. marketplace. There's so many different constituencies, and so a, a law is going to impact all all those: the workers, the small businesses, and the and the consumers.
1: A lot of times, policymakers need that education from the actual constituents. And you shared a story that I just, it was so funny to hear this about how early in the days of eBay, the way that that would be regulated was just totally kind of
0: almost comical. Can you talk about that? Yes. Well, you know, eBay was, there is no DoorDash, there is no Uber, there is, eBay was the original platform um, economy and and, um, app-based platform. And... um, So, they uh, were rules or legislation introduced in um, some of the states on auctioneering. And they were gonna require our eBay sellers to take hog calling classes. (laughs) And we would have meetings with these uh, state reps and saying, no, that's not, like, we're online. We're not, (laughs) we're not, you know, they don't really need to know that. And so, um, yeah, that's funny.
1: It just kind of goes to show how important it is to have the people who are affected every day by regulations have a voice with their policymakers.
0: Mm-hmm. And one thing we did uh, uh, on our, our fly-in, one of our very first fly-ins, where we had, um, we had a seller come in from every state, we gave them, seems kind of funny, but we did a booth. And we had them have their physical items, what they sold in the booth, and, uh, and the, their eBay store on, and on a monitor. And we brought the members of Congress through to, to meet with their constituents in that way. And, and it was that physical manifestation, I do, th- I do think, you know, Zoom is great and digital is great, but that physical manifestation of, oh, this is a store. You know, this is, this is people selling things. And here are, the, actually, here are the items that this person, and, and some of them were funny, like people, a great eBay seller, one of my great advocates sold tires on eBay. So we rolled in a big tire. You know, and so, and I do think that that, again, we, the, technology is terrific, but building these relationships, visualizing what these folks are, you know, up against in with in-person meetings, I think can really make a difference.
1: Yeah, you're showcasing this is not a separate economy or just some fake, right. e- this is yes. a real economy. And these are
0: people living, living in your dis- dis- district and they might have a store, a physical store, and sell online.
1: Yeah. Um, you're equipping so many people with the tools to be able to contact their members of Congress, contact their senators, tell them what they think. Do corporate leaders ever worry, well, if I give them those tools, what if
0: they say things that I don't want them to say? Right, yeah, that's certainly always, um, you know, a risk. I have a personal philosophy is that if we we have made a, a commitment, if I tell you, Anthony, you're a Dasher please come to this meeting with this member of Congress, and we've talked about the policy issues, and you talk about something that you wanna talk about, that, that's your right. You know, If a lot, there's a lot of talk in grassroots, particularly in digital mobilization, about um, tailoring letters and tailoring emails. I have a per- personal philosophy that, that I let every letter go through, right? If people are personalizing their letters and they've taken the time, and I've made a commitment saying we want to amplify your voice. I'm not gonna say, well, not your voice, because you didn't say the right thing, or not your voice only your voice. That's that's not you lose credibility and, and integrity and and I think that if you're if you're saying you're amplifying your voice, that's that's one of the risks you have to take.
1: Sounds risky though to yeah, some leaders, yeah, sure, right? Of course. But it's risky to not have that integrity too, yeah, I suppose. Right.
0: Because if you're trying to build a mutually beneficial relationship with your advocates, you have to start building trust. You know, think, think about, you know, if you're, co- I always say, like, people say they're customer obsessed, but, you know, are you customer obsessed? I mean, because you're, this is in service to your customers. Um, and, this, and, and you're gonna, yeah, sure, there's a little bit of risk, but I think the other way is um, you're gonna lose that trust and then they're gonna go somewhere else.
1: Do you have any examples of where you're bringing these constituents to connect with policymakers and then they have their own issues?
0: Yeah, I do. I had um, a wonderful um, eBay seller from South Carolina who unfortunately tragically lost her child to an opioid addiction. And we actually took it one step further and helped her make her case um, to this uh, senator um, that she was meet, meeting with. And we're like, absolutely. I, I can think of actually several of those types of examples. Again, you, you know, I, I'm in the business of helping people grow personally and professionally, right? And so if I can if I can help that person, you know a it's the right thing to do. But B, if I, if I help you in that way and make those introductions, introductions aren't you going to be more loyal to my Mm -hmm. brand? Um, I I think so.
1: Talk about elevating people's voices, trust, relationships. And I just love this because I think for so many people who just see DC on the common media narrative or, you know, watching Scandal or something like that, I think they might be surprised, but very... um, uh, happy to hear that that's sort of part of the ethos that you and your team are bringing.
0: Absolutely. I think that that's, it um, you can't be transactional. You know, I think a lot of times people in this space only think about the recruitment of the advocate and the activating of the of the advocate. I like to think of it as recruitment, engagement, activation, engagement, right? Do you, I mean, think about yourself. If somebody called you and said, oh, Sharon, would you testify um, in front of this, you know, congressional hearing? And I'm like, sure, that's happy to do it. And then you never hear from them again right. until they need you again. I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, just how would that make you feel? Kind of used, you know? And so to build um, the engagement, both at step two and step four, you're going to keep your advocates, um, you know, you're going to keep them warm. You're going to keep them feeling great about your brand. Um, and so that the, the next time that something does come up, they're enthusiastic about participating.
1: Yeah, it makes me think some phone numbers pop up and you're really excited. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes people call on you and say,
0: what do they want this
1: time? So you have you to also have that.
0: commit, and that's why, it's, again, it's a little labor intensive. You also have to commit to being a, a customer service agent. You know, going yeah. back to sort of the servant's heart mentality. I always... Yeah with that in my job descriptions or I'm hiring folks mm. is is you you there is a big por- you're on the phone with our customers and they may be having a problem with something else you know business related with with their dashing or with, with their eBay selling and you must take the time to help them solve that that problem. Yeah. And again that that builds loyalty and trust and um, enthusiasm about your programs. Yeah. You know and it, and at eBay and I think we're building this at DoorDash too you know we were able to prove that people who were involved in the government relations activity or the ab- advocacy—we call it the small business advocacy network—at eBay um, were stickier to the site. Mm. They bought more, they sold more, um, and uh, and we ran that every couple of years. We would run that study so we could also prove our value mm. to the business. And then, you know, then the marketing team is coming to you, and the CEO's office is coming to you, and 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 saying, you know, I need, I need a focus group, or I need, you know, the government relations, they have the best uh, contacts with their customers. Um, wow. Let's, um, let's go, to, go to them. So also, you know, from a very practical standpoint, again, um, adding value and, and a service to your overall business.
1: I would imagine that's the dream for a government relations or public affairs office, that they're seen as that valuable, they have those strong relationships with the customer, the customer trusts them. We need to know how to reach them. And by um, elevating the customer's voice, they feel you've proved it through data, deeper loyalty to the brand. Right. They're stickier to the platform. Right.
0: And they're super, they're super fans.
1: Yeah. On DoorDash, DoorDash is such an interesting company. You mentioned customer obsession. Um, the, the company does something that makes everybody know what it's like to be a dasher. Can you talk we about We do.
0: That? We do. And... Um... Our chief marketing officer just did um, uh, uh, a segment with Anderson Cooper um, and Bobby Flay, where it's called a we dash. So everyone at the company is required to, to dash so that we can live the dasher experience, and we just love it. I mean, we'll we'll do it in groups. Um, Rob and I did did one together. He actually taught me how to do it, and um, it's it's. I think it's really fun, but also you're living that experience. You're living, what is that Dasher experience? Oh my gosh, you have to find a parking place. Oh my gosh, the food's not ready. Oh, How to interact with a merchant. Um, and, and then the, the customer on the delivery, delivery end, right? And so again, and, and, and my team is gonna do also what we call We Support, and we did this at eBay, is to sit down with a customer support agent and listen to the incomings. Right? Because again, we're trying to build relationships with dashers and, and merchants and customers. We, we wanna know what the, what the problems are and what's the best way to help you know, people solve those. That's great.
1: What a great way to get. I'm yes. sure so many problems yes. Our CEO does
0: it. That. I mean, everyone wow. has to do, do, do it, which is, um, and I don't think it's really a have to. I think people are like, oh, that's kind of, kind yeah, of fun. Yeah, they mm-hmm. wanna be in this.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm a dasher on the other end. Okay, I good. We <laughs> receive a lot of deliveries. Thank so you for your business. Um, you know, when we look at this whole concept of chief influencers, right, you stand among, above your peers in so many ways for the work that you're doing, and we see that in different industries. One of the themes we hear from a lot of chief influencers is that it can be tough to know how to share their work without feeling too self-promotional. A lot of leaders tell us they sort of struggle with that balance. And um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your philosophy of how you've embraced Elevating others as part of your influence to get this message out there. Because a lot of people are contacting you asking, how did you build this over the last you know, decade plus and, and how can I do it? And you have to get that message out.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's really really been interesting over the years that companies as diverse as you know, General Motors and Intuit and you know, non, non-tech companies are now looking at this customer advocacy. Um, idea and bringing that into their public policy. I don't know. I'm not a great self-promoter. I prefer to um, lift others up, whether it's my team members or our our advocates or colleagues. Um, I like to, you know, quietly quietly influence and and lift others up. So I guess that's how I'd...
1: Well, the reason I wanted to ask you that question is because I think for a lot of um, leaders that struggle with that, they find that if they make it about others, which I think you do so naturally, and you've done that for, I mean, literally building a network of over a million people to lift up their stories, not just to transactionally get your message out, but to make it their own, whether it's about someone whose daughter had a crisis and they wanted to know how a senator could change policy. I think that's a really good lesson for leaders in any industry to figure out, it doesn't have to be just about me and my story, it's going to have a bigger impact if I uplift others. Yeah, I
0: think people really sort of make a mistake about that. I think, you know, you can influence your community, you can influence your neighborhood, you can influence your family. Um, and I think that you, you don't really need to have this, you know, I, I, get, I do get a little frustrated with some folks who say, I want to change the world. Well, you know, start with yourself, <laughs> start with your family, start with your community, and that will, the rest of that will come. Sounds like that
1: lesson from mom.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Back there. <laughs> um, I wanna, as a last question before we open up to the audience, um, I know that so many chief influencers get their inspiration outside of their core industry from looking at their peers, but they learn things from others in unsuspecting places. And I wonder if you could share any place you've gotten inspiration outside of your direct peers in Washington.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. We, you, and I, you and I talked about this um, in preparation for this. I, you know, at first I thought, well, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, it's, the, it's not the critic who counts. Um, is one of my one of my favorites, right? It's really easy to 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 dismiss and criticize, um, but I really always fall back on Lily Pulitzer, and I don't know if you all know the story of Lily Pulitzer and the brand, but you know Lily Pulitzer was a, a socialite. I mean, she was a, a very wealthy, uh, married um, I think James Pulitzer, who was the grandson of the Pulitzer Prize founder, and um, they were living in Florida, and as a sort of a side business, had a citrus orange uh, grove. And so she decided she was bored. And so instead of, you know, doing the socialite thing, she decided she was going to Worth Avenue, which is in, in um, Palm Beach, and she was going to open a juice stand. She wanted to add value. She wanted to work. She wanted to contribute to her society. So she starts making the juice. And what happens is all the juice goes all over her clothes. And so that's why she decided to make the colorful shifts that everyone knows today. Um, so I love that story, not only because I think it's, a, it's an inspirational story about a woman who didn't have to work, but still wanted to, again, add value to her community, add, uh, help out the farmers of her, her, her husband's um, business um, and, and be out you know, with them, um, but also that she pivoted Right? She's like, well, juice isn't really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing it. People really love these dresses that she started. So she wore these dresses, and I guess she had a, a helper or a friend, and then they all these other women would say, where'd you get your dress? And so that is how the lovely Pulitzer story started. I love that.
1: And I think the idea that you can make a contribution to your community in ways that you don't it's have It's very to. unexpected. Anybody who comes to Capitol Hill for a fly-in or is doing a Zoom with their member, I mean... They don't have to do that, but they're doing it to help not only themselves, but others. And you're finding ways to unlock that. Right. Spirit. And just
0: like, it, it's interesting you say that because just like a member of Congress is representing their constituents in their district, I always to say to advocates who come to the Hill or go to Brussels or I mean, we did a fly-in in um, Michigan and Springfield, Illinois this year, like you're also representing dashers. Like you are actually a leader now in the Dasher community. You're, you're getting this opportunity to tell your story to this state rep, but there's, there's a thousand Dashers behind you. Yeah. And you know, th- think about how, how you know, much pride that, that gives them an, an opportunity that was so unexpected, you know, yeah. for them. So I just love that when they're like, oh, wow. You know, yeah. um, it's great.
1: And they go home and take, show the selfie and- Right, right, and, then, the and talk to their, are.
0: you know, then they talk to their community. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully they'll talk positively about, about Door to or that experience and that, and they grow and they tell their children about it. And um, so I do think there's some, you know, ripple effects of this 100%. type of work. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. when you lift
1: one person's voice, it does ripple, doesn't right. it? It kind of attracts others to that. Would it be okay if we took some questions from the sure, audience, Sharon? Sure, I'd Love to take a few questions. Does anyone have a question for Sharon? Don't be shy, always takes a second for the first one.
0: Yes, sir. Hi, Chair Bernard Tony. Um, I, I too love the uh, the poem by, uh, by Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. It's not the critical counts and being the man in the arena. In that same vein, what challenges have you had um, at the at the executive executive level, the C-suite level, um, being able to drive change? And have you had any personal challenges on um, being able to make the impact that you desire to make?
1: And just for the audio, the question is: um, any challenges that you've had driving change? You know. Corporations are known for being bureaucratic, and it's very difficult sometimes to make change. And so, what strategies have you found?
0: Yeah, I think it's a really great question. I think you know when we're when you're starting something that no one's ever ever tried before, um, there are were certain folks, you know, the legal department and others who are like, well, why? we don't wanna distract from, um, you know, selling our products and having people use them And our, is that gonna, is that gonna disturb, um, you know, is that email solicitation or that phone call going to diminish us in other ways? And it's not, you know, I tried to tell them, it's not a, what is the uh, cliche about the pie? You know, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not, you're not it's not a, um, we're not losing, losing one, it's actually, you know, adding on. Um, so I think those those were, those were a, f- a few of them. I will say, and I, what's great about tech and sort of the Silicon Valley mindset is they are more willing to take some of these risks. Um, so in that um, vein, I think um, uh, I've been really lucky to have very supportive, very, you know, go for it. Now we've made a lot of mistakes along along the way. Um, but again, you know, you have to be in the rain arena and take those risks to and learn from them.
1: And it sounds like that data that you mentioned earlier. You know, the best way to showcase the value of what you're doing is to report back and saying, "It's not only are we not distracting them or we're asking them to do this; they feel more loyal to us because we asked them to do it." And I think that's such a great leadership lesson. You know, sometimes people feel like in relationships, oh, "I don't want to ask." for too many things, and others will say, no, actually, the more that you engage with somebody, actually it deepens their relationship. Right,
0: and as you go, as you go along and you prove the concept, I remember the second, my second CEO at eBay came to me and says, what would it take for us to get an eBay seller in every congressional district? Put together a little plan. So you know, again, I'm not, I didn't ask for that. I didn't um, put a proposal together. And if you, if you prove your worth every day and you don't have to necessarily self, self-promote, um, but tell, make sure you're telling your story and, and you're um, putting the stories of others in, in, in front of yours, I think those opportunities will come.
1: That's great. Mm-hmm. Maybe time for one more question, if anyone has one. I bet we have one more out there. Yes. Um, as a pioneer in this space and, and a woman leading the charge, what advice would you give your younger self What advice would you give your younger self? What a great question
0: great question um, I my younger self um I would not worry so much also my older self <laughs> um, I feel like in I personally and professionally um Catherine and I were actually talking about this this morning. It's like, it's like, you know, this is what an abundant life, what an amazing opportunity, we, you know, we really all have been given. And to do this work, I feel so blessed to have had these opportunities that really others, you know, gave me a chance to, to do. And I would say, you know, don't lose sleep over it, go for it, it's gonna all work out. It's going to be fine
1: it's going
0: to be fine. We all
1: need that reminder (laughs) from time to time, so thank you. I was thinking about your interesting major in college as a theater major, as part of what you studied, and that um, is not probably super common for people who move into government relations, but what a theater person wants to do is captivate an audience and make them feel something, Mm -hmm. right? And I was thinking about the role that you've had at eBay and now what you're doing at DoorDash. And, you know, a major outcome of that relationship that you are driving with advocates who come from Kansas City or California or wherever to Capitol Hill to get their message out is they leave with a feeling, don't they, that they've made an impact and they have a little kind of spring in their steps. I do
0: think that's true. I do think that that's true. I mean, I do think the connection... That you're, that you're taught in, in, in theater. And I grew up doing theater and, and you know, PBS specials and all that sort of thing. And um, I, I do think that the, the fulfillment that I get from this work is very similar um, because I, my parents used to say, well, why do you like that? I said, I love it when I see the audience clap or smile. It wasn't for me an ego thing. oh, you're so wonderful. It was more like I made that their day. Yeah. You know, they smiled when I sang that song or whatever. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that was what I, I really revved me up. And this, this worked, too, to get to, to, you know, be on the road and meet with dashers and merchants or eBay sellers and, um, you know, see them grow, see their eyes light up, say, oh, you, ch- you know, you chose me to do this. And, um, and th- those opportunities that I've been able to give others is... Um, Again, I feel, I mean, I get a little emotional about it because I feel so truly blessed to do this work.
1: Well, we feel blessed to have <laughs> had you. You made our eyes light up here at our first in-person event and many other people, there. their ears will, whatever the equivalent of light up is <laughs> as they hear it. So please help me thank Sharon McBride for being with us today.
0: thank you so much for having me.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chief Influencer, a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board. If you know a leader who should be featured as a chief influencer, please nominate them at chiefinfluencer.org. For show notes and more, visit us at chiefinfluencer.org or follow Chief Influencer on LinkedIn. Until next time.